now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast on this special Wednesday edition. It's a weird week. The Patriots got a Thursday night game against the Colts coming up. So their altered schedule means our altered schedule to keep you guys updated on all the news. I am here with Rich Hill, as always. It's Alex Shane coming at you. Rich, how's it going, buddy? It is going well. It's always so much more enjoyable to follow football, read about the Patriots when it's coming off of a nice, nice warm victory, as opposed to some pretty ugly performances against the Jaguars and the Lions. So a 38-7 to shellacking of the Miami Dolphins is, is a pretty great way to, to finish the first quarter of the season. It certainly is. My voice is still hoarse. I was at the game cheering my behind off up in the nosebleed section. Beautiful day. Great game to go to. It was one of those games. It was more or less over by halftime. It was on coast mode in the second half. The Dolphins looked terrible. The Patriots looked good. Defense was shutting people out. They were setting the edge. They were getting pressure. Tom Brady was firing. They were running the ball well. He didn't get sacked at all. Everything seems okay in New England. However, I'd like to ask you about some initial reactions to the game first. Let me kind of get into are the Patriots back? Are they not back? Lots to get to today. Before we get to all that, I want to get your overall impression of the game, Rich. We talked about the, the the Lions, we talked about the Jaguars, how the Patriots looked kind of flat. They looked unenthusiastic, didn't really want to be there. From the stands where I was sitting, didn't see it on TV. I just think the energy was palpable and different, and the overall vibe of the team looked better. But what are your overall reactions to the game? Yeah, well, it's a, a big mindset to have when it comes to football, the Patriots, and everything is that it's never as bad as it seems, and that it's probably also never as good as it seems. So, they're not going to be blowing out undefeated teams 38-7 every week, but this is a strong indicator that they're not as bad as what they did against the Lions. And that there are a few things to be really excited about, and these those were my big takeaways from this. Is these are these are changes to the Patriots team that should continue moving forward, and we're not kind of anomalies like Ryan Tannehill fumbling a snap. You know, players developed and they progressed in a way that should be really fruitful. And I thought that Sony Michelle's development at running back was incredible. He was breaking plays. The running blocking was very much in sync. So we can definitely talk about the running game. And then also on the defensive side of the ball, for the first time all year, it seemed like Dante Hightower was back to his old self, flying around the field. Perhaps it had to do with him being in the middle of the defense again after Juwan Bentley suffered a season-ending injury. And Hightower is simply just better in the middle of the defense as opposed to on the edge. But there were players that took definite step forwards that goes kind of beyond what happened against the Dolphins. And so, ultimately, this Patriots team, they're going to be fine. I mean, the, 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 the sky fell over the first couple of weeks, but they're, they're back. They're fine. They, they might not be the, you know, the 2007 Patriots, but they're good enough to, to make it all the way. No, they are. And again, I think you and I have harped on this topic ad nauseum for the past, I'd say the last offseason, but the past several years, I guess, since we're doing <laughs> this podcast, they're going to be fine. I feel like every September they close out the month at two and two. October starts. They have an amazing record in October. A tough slate of games coming up, which you talk about toward the end of the podcast. But yeah, I think they're they're fine. They turned a corner a little bit. They're starting to get their identity as a team. I don't think Tom Brady is up to speed yet, if that makes sense. I think he looked good. On Sunday, I don't think he looked great. A couple of boneheaded throws he made. He felt 
steps a couple times and there weren't footsteps coming. He's not overly accurate. I remember he missed open a wide open Gronkowski up the seam on their opening drive, had to settle for three instead of seven there. He's throwing it in the dirt a little bit, but every once in a while he'll pull out an amazing, amazing path. Like that pass to James White in the end zone was absolutely beautiful. And the way he had coiled up Patterson down the sideline, mm-hmm. that was a little inaccurate, but it worked. So I think that there's still some work to do, but compared to how the Patriots looked in all phases of the game, the past couple of weeks, even against the Houston Texans, where they had a really good first quarter and a half and then kind of stunk it up, the rest of the game did enough to win. They played a phenomenal game of football from start to finish, and it's exactly what you want to close out the least important quarter of the season and go into probably the, one of the more important quarters, that, that second quarter where things start to hit their stride, people start coming into their own. Elements now back, so there's a lot of things to be optimistic about going forward, but you're right, we have to temper expectations. Yeah, and so actually my question for you is looking at this offense, what made it so different this week versus the past couple of weeks? Because you want to say that Josh Gordon has added a different element to this offense, but he only played 18 snaps or so on offense. And this team, the Patriots were firing on all cylinders for most of the first three quarters. And so it wasn't necessarily the introduction of Josh Gordon. So what what did you see that was just different? Yeah, I think for me, honestly, it was the running game. The running game worked really well. Sony Michelle had 112 yards on 25 carries. That's about five yards a clip, four and a half yards a clip. The running game was working. They were doing toss plays, and the pole guard, Shaq Mason, Joe Tooney, were getting out and sticking the blocks. Um, there was a lot of between-the-tackle running for Sony Michelle, and when you have the, an effective running game, defenses can't really kind of sit back and just wait for you to, to throw by double covering Gronk and not allowing receivers to get separation. That running game really opens everything up a lot more. And I think I mentioned this in our pregame show. I was really all about that offensive line. I think my X factor was David Andrews for this game. And was, was he going to be able to, Oh no, I think maybe this last week, whatever it was, David Andrews was an important part of the, in part of the scheme and that he was able to dictate the blocking schemes. He was able to dictate what happened at the line and the running game did really well. 175 total yards running, which is amazing. And when the running game's working like that, it's very easy for the passing game to work because they have to factor in for it so that draft bust sony michelle everyone was harping (laughs) on for missing the entire preseason entire training camp and had two games under his belt came into his own a little bit he's still not quite where he needs to be but he's a rookie he's doing really well but if they can keep running the ball like that the sky's the limit for this offense yeah and what's super impressive is a josh gordon isn't fully involved yet b julian edelman is now coming back into the mix c rob gronkowski left little after halftime with an ankle injury, so he wasn't around for much of the second half. And D, Chris Hogan wasn't super involved whatsoever, which is kind of just a continued disappointment over the, the first quarter of the season. But the way that the Patriots spread out the ball with Sony Michelle, 112 yards, James White, 112 yards from scrimmage, uh, Cordero Patterson, 65 yards from scrimmage, Philip Dorsett, 55, Gronk, 44 in his limited, Josh Gordon, 32, uh, in addition to a, a third down penalty that he drew. All these players saw multiple touches and they all were able to convert it. And as they continue to settle into whatever role they have in the Patriots offense, the introduction of Julian Edelman is just going to push them so far over the edge that I have a very high hopes for what this Patriots offense will be able to do for the rest of the year. No, I'm with you. I mean, again, I think we've talked about Edelman and what to expect out of him. He is on the wrong side of 30, coming off an ACL. He hasn't played a football game in over a year. It's going to take him a while to get back into football shape. No matter how much you train in the offseason or how many drills you run, getting hit, 
full game speed, take some time to get used to. So I do not expect him to come in and just get, you know, 25 catches on and 200 yards uh, on Thursday night. But I think he'll be easy into the offense. But having him out there is going to be such a, a massive boost for Tom Brady because he is Tom Brady's guy. He's the guy Brady trusts. He's, he gets open. He's good at it. And I think that really will add a nice wrinkle to the offense. And it's funny you mentioned all his receivers, Rich. Something you and I didn't really talk about much that I'm just coming to realize now, especially now with Josh Gordon on the team, between Josh Gordon, Rob Gronkowski, and Cordero Patterson, and I'll add James Devlin into this as well, and Dwayne Allen, those are all really, really good blockers. Those are guys that can spring you on the edge. Josh Gordon was in on the James White touchdown run. He stuck his block, did not give the guy a chance. Cordero Patterson's a great blocks as a running wide receiver. So you've got these guys that can catch balls, and they can also block really well. And having that kind of versatility, I think, bodes really well for those screen pay plays, those quick outs, those, those short under roots Edelman does so well because you can really get that second level of blocking down. It's almost something like two offensive lines. So I'm really excited for that because Edelman can really go nuts in that kind of dynamic. Yeah, and I'll even be happy to throw Chris Hogan into the mix because even though he yeah. hasn't been productive as a receiver, he's always been a very reliable and strong blocker. And so when you come down to the red zone, you get Sony Michelle out there or even James White. They've been preferring James White in the red zone. But you get these big guys with Gronk, Devlin, Chris Hogan, Josh Gordon, even Patterson. They have so many players that, you know what, are they going to block? Are you going to throw it? There's so many different ways that you could take it from there that it's going to be impossible for the defense to say, I'm going to go into a base defense, I'm going to go into a coverage defense. And then additionally, uh, the big element that the Patriots have been missing from their offense has been slot receiver production. Because Chris Hogan has been asked to stay in the slot, and he has been a ghost there because he's not able to generate that short-range separation that players like Julian Edelman, Troy Brown, Wes Welker, what they've been able to do. And so when Chris Hogan is able to go back outside because of the return of Julian Edelman, I expect to see the Patriots get a new element to their offense that they haven't had over the first quarter of the season, something that they didn't have last year when they resorted to the deep ball game because Edelman was out for the year. And the reintroduction of the slot receiver should absolutely settle down this Patriots offense and make it seem far more consistent than what it was over the first four weeks. I'm glad you mentioned the word consistent, Rich, because I don't want to harp negative because this is a, a good, good, good win. But two things I'm hearing rumblings about, may as well address it since it's a Patriots podcast. Two things I'm hearing, uh, which I talked about a little bit early on in, in the, the show, was that Brady still isn't incredibly accurate. He's still missing guys. He's still forcing some throws. He makes that back shoulder guy in his face throw that gets picked off every single year. That's nothing new. But he doesn't look like the Tom Brady that was the MVP of the year of the league last year. And then Rob Gronkowski uh, has not overachieved, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term. I know he's been double covered. I know defenses are focusing in on him. They're not letting him breathe. But they've done that to Gronk in the past before, and he's been able to break double coverage and be productive. Are you at all concerned about the lack of Gronk's production so far? Is it injuries? And are you at all concerned about Tom Brady's inaccuracy? I'm not saying he's falling off a cliff, because, but he's not. But is he maybe showing his age a little bit? Is Father Time caught up to him in any capacity? Is he still light years ahead? Uh, I'm going to say no to both very, very uh, definitively. Because I know that you're not suggesting that either. But with both Gronk and Brady, it's just a matter of time. For both of them, Gronk has been dealing with his ankle injuries, and sure, he didn't produce too well against the Jaguars or against the, the Lions, but all things considered, the Jaguars have the best defense in football, the Lions are, are coached by Matt Patricia, so they know what the Patriots are doing, and that was a particular moment in the Patriots' offense where... 
No one was doing anything. Burkhead was lost for the season. Michelle was in his second game for the team. They weren't really getting James White involved. Dorsett couldn't get separation. Patterson couldn't get separation. Chris Hogan just hasn't been able to get separation. And so the Lions were able to dedicate double coverage because players weren't able to do that. And other teams have done that, and they've had success doing it in the past versus Gronkowski. It's just that most teams aren't able to do it for the entire game because there's usually a second or a third element in the Patriots' offense that prevents them from doing it. So whether that's a Julian Edelman or a Danny Amendola or even just a Brandon LaFell-type character on the outside, that forces defense to say, all right, we got we got to respect other people in this offense. And there just hadn't been that piece of the Patriots offense until now where all of a sudden you get Michelle Edelman and Josh Gordon all really rising to the occasion or just appearing finally then that's just going to change the entire dynamic it should open up things for Gronkowski or if it doesn't then I would expect those three players to have extraordinary production over the rest of the year and teams are going to have to make an adjustment at some point and they'll have to come to the realization that maybe covering Gronk like that isn't necessarily worth it or you just pick your poison and there's nothing you really can do uh going to the other point with Brady and his accuracy issues I mean those dumb interceptions and they're so dumb. They're just really dumb. They've, he's been doing that for years, right? Yeah, he, he has. Yes. Like every single year you can point to him. There was like multiple last year against the Miami Dolphins where he's just chucking up a prayer into triple coverage and you're just left scratching your head going, Tom, what, what were you even looking at? There, there was one, I believe, against the Baltimore Ravens two years ago where he, maybe it was three, I don't know, Eric Weddle was the recipient of this interception, but the Patriots are in the red zone and Tom was trying to throw it away. I don't even know, but he just chucked it up because he had pressure in his face and went right to, to Eric Weddle. So he does this every single year. It's always a super big disappointment. I would say that the, the interception luck that he's had over the past few years where defenders have dropped interceptions is kind of coming home to roost right now where they're not dropping them. But I'm not overly concerned yet. He has shown that he can still make all the throws when the players are making their separation, which has been the biggest difference between last year and this year. And when he has that offensive players that are able to get any semblance of separation from the defender, he'll be completely fine. And it'll be like, oh, that's that was the, the MVP Tom Brady and he's back. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think the think of the two picks he threw on Sunday, uh, the McCain pick, that was just a good play by the defense. Maybe shouldn't have made the throw because well, Dorsett didn't have the separation needed, but it wasn't a, a bad throw the way the the second one, the Fitzpatrick interception was. That was just a, a stupid play in the triple coverage, and the game was over at that point, so who cares? But you just don't want to see it. But again, it's been at least 10 years of these. Guy in his face, just huck it up there. It's going to get picked. It's part of Tom Brady's charm. It's why we love him. <laughs> It's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And I think by the time November, December rolls around, it's going to be an absolute machine. It, right now, it's going to be a very close race between him and Patrick Mahomes, who looks unstoppable. But that's a conversation for much later on in the season. Overall, though, much better offensive performance. Receivers getting involved. Very excited about that. The running game looks good. Everybody seemed to be on the same page. Everyone's scoring points. 38 points, nothing to shake your head at. And they only gave up seven. And the, the seven they gave up was a garbage time touchdown on that fabled Osweiler to Gore connection <laughs> that's been indefensible for decades. Oh, love it. De- defensively, Rich, were the, were the Dolphins just bad? Or did something kind of happen in the coaching rooms over the past couple of days that caused the defense to not only stop the run, but stop everything? So, 
I mean, there was a mix of both. And again, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's not as good as it seems to be, but the defense wasn't as bad as what they were in previous weeks. And so the big change that the Patriots did in a positive direction is that they were making all of their tackles. Their big issue against both the Jaguars and the Lions is that they had the ball carrier in the backfield, specifically against the run, multiple times. And they just had multiple players miss, and the other team gained 15, 20 yards. And the Patriots' defensive front did an outstanding job of ensuring that the ball carrier was taken down, did not get any yards after contact, or just was able to to be stuffed in the backfield. And so kudos to the Patriots' defense for stepping up and doing that. Conversely, the Dolphins were just not good. They, they were missing open players. Ryan Tannehill was wild. He was inaccurate. He was throwing passes to players that he shouldn't have. Other players like Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson were kind of wide open. But even when he did find them, they weren't too productive because, again, the Patriots did a really good job tackling in the open field. And so it's a mix of both of it. The Dolphins were really underwhelming. They didn't take the opportunity of what was in front of them. Uh, they were focused pretty heavily on on some of the the low scale sort of plays and that involves looking at their slot receivers looking at uh the the running backs out of the backfield and that makes the vast majority of the passing yards that they had and by vast majority they had 135 so that's not, not too much um but ultimately the the patriots they just everybody did their job much better, much more reliably, much more consistently than they did in previous weeks. I didn't see too many changes other than from some small personnel adjustments with Trey Flowers being back, Patrick Chung being back, uh, Jason McCourty continuing to excel opposite of Stephon Gilmore. That should be something very exciting to watch for the rest of the year. I wouldn't be shocked if Jason McCourty took that job from Eric Rowe. Jonathan Jones continues to be a standout as the, the slot corner. Uh, John Simon was nice as a new pass rusher. Dante Hightower is in the middle of the defense. Everybody was able to go back to their positions of strength. And as a result, the Patriots defense looked like a strength. And they, they should hopefully be able to build off of this, particularly on a short week against the Colts. For sure. I mean, the first play of the game, the Dolphins got the ball first. And the first play was a 22-yard completion. And I was like, oh, man, here we go again. But then they went three and out after that. And the longest drive of the Dolphins' uh, entire day in terms of number of plays was five. Tannehill ran five plays in his second possession. He gained five yards on five plays. <laughs> Other than that, it was a bunch of three and outs, a bunch of four-play drives. I think Osweiler had like a 12- or 13-play drive when the game was out of hand, but I'm not going to count that at all. That's a remarkable day of defensive production if you hold the Tannehill-led offense. As streaky as he's been, five plays maximum is an amazing, amazing stat. Sometimes for negative yards, you know, like in a negative 14 yard, like it just, they, they just, they were just on fire. The Finns could not get anything going. And by the time halftime rolled around, there was just no way it was going to happen. The Patriots got a late score and got the ball back and everything was just really firing on all cylinders. And it's really to your point about not only were they, they tackling well, it just seemed, I think one of the things I wrote about in my fan notes after the, after the Detroit game was there was just no, no life, no emotion. I could point to one time when someone got emotional, and it was Dietrich Wise after a sack. And immediately following that sack, Bentley had an interception, and they scored a touchdown. And then they went right back to being flat again. 
I felt like the emotion was up, and they were having fun on defense again, which was really nice to see. And whatever Brian, Brian Flores did, it's working. I agree with you. It's not as good as we think it is right now. It wasn't as bad as we think as we thought it was a couple of weeks ago. But I think the corner has been turned. They're starting to come into their own. And if you remember last year, buddy, we were talking about how wide, wide open receivers were, and the Patriots figured it out. And Stephon Gilmore became a lockdown corner, and they became a top three scoring defense. And the things are kind of all lining up the way they should be. The problem is – they're practicing today because it's today's Tuesday night, and they practice on a short week. They have a Colts team coming into town. It's a very short time to turn around and kind of put this game behind you and move on to the next one. I'm sure the Colts have had this game circled since, I don't know, maybe a certain coach left to go back to the Patriots. <laughs> a very big game for them coming up, and I'm very curious to see if they can keep the intensity and the emotion alive for one more game on a very short turnaround. Yeah, and this is where hopefully the experience that these players have together will really shine through because the majority of their defenders are in their you know second third plus season with this defense and so they should know each other they should know their strengths they should know their weaknesses they should have enough depth in their playbook that they might not have to install something entirely new against the Colts so much as they can dig deep and just look back at their their year plus of experience as some other teams that just have uh, like new faces all over and then they're they're left trying to install brand new plays the morning before the game so I, I think the Patriots defense should be able to continue their level my big concern and I'm curious your thought uh is the entire defense reliant on Trey Flowers availability and if there is something that happens to him is there any defense left I mean, it's a good question. You look at the—I don't have the numbers in front of me right now—but the 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 QB rating and the rush rating when he's on the field versus off the field, it's a very marked difference. The disparity there is is tangible. The problem is we won't know, and hopefully we won't have to know, because he's definitely their best edge defender. I'd like to think they have enough depth or they have enough creativity. Maybe move Dante Hightower out to the edge, or maybe Derek Rivers will see the field at some point. Their high draft pick for a couple of years ago. It's very concerning to me that the Patriots ever have to rely on one player. I think Belichick prides himself on knowing that no one player is better than the entire team as a whole. That includes Tom Brady. No one player is superior to what a team can bring. And so he makes sure he builds the depth. He builds the guys that can step in if somebody gets hurt. But looking at the roster right now, I'm looking at it right now for defensive ends. There's really nobody that has the skill set that, that Flowers has contain setting the edge i think kyle van noy had a great game in that respect but i like him a lot more in the middle of the field where he can lose the under roots for the, the crossing receivers i don't want to see him out on the edge so i don't know the answer to that question statistically it looks like yes at this point in the season but may we never find out yeah f fingers crossed because the big thing that the Patriots did so well against the Dolphins and that hopefully they'll be able to do for the rest of the year is generate pressure. And by that, it's not about racking up sacks or hitting the quarterback so much as making sure he can't escape the pocket, making sure that he just doesn't settle down and get comfortable and make sure that there's a defender in his face every time that he tries to throw the ball. And that's what they did very, very consistently against the Dolphins. And hopefully they can do that against Andrew Luck, who is a very, very mobile quarterback. And I think we should we should talk a little bit about this Colts team that that the Patriots will be hosting on Thursday because this Colts team, uh, I mean, they're they're one and three, but they could just as easily be three and one with wins against uh, some pretty quality opponents. They they've had a pretty tough schedule so far, and the, the, the Patriots have to be on the top of their game once when, when they they play the Colts. 
Absolutely. The Colts are at a disadvantage in that they're coming on on a very short week. They're very banged up. They played a literally a full extra quarter in the overtime loss to the Texans, so it's an extra 15 minutes of getting banged around, and they have a lot of injuries. T.Y. Hilton is very unlikely to play. Jack Doyle has been banged up for a while. They have a couple starters on defense going to concussion protocol, so they might not be able to play. Had this game been on Sunday instead of Thursday, as the league attempts to grab more money, they might have a different story. But they're coming into a Patriots very vulnerable from a physical standpoint in terms of their injuries and their, their fatigue and whatnot. However, I don't think the Colts have beaten the Patriots since 2009. That might be the last time during the that kind of I can't get these guys to play. They want to, I want them to play. I could be wrong about that one. I know Andrew Luck has never beaten Tom Brady. So this rivalry really has dissipated. The Patriots kind of dominated in the second half of the 2000s. I just – I don't know. On paper, it's a, a very one-sided matchup. Uh, Colts defense isn't that good. Colts offense is struggling. However, I think the emotions – the leveling of everything that is Thursday night football, anything goes. It could be a sloppy mess. And the fact that Josh McDaniels more or less walked out on the team and screwed him over in, in a lot of people's minds, this is going to be a really difficult game to call because they're going to be really fired up for this one. Yeah, and for everything that I said about the, the Colts and what they've been producing, they are one in three. And as Belichick likes to say, you are what your record says. And they're fine on both sides of the ball. I don't know. I feel like they're like the – quintessential average team i think they rank exactly middle of the pack in both points scored and points allowed uh they they have a negative six point differential which just shows how close all three of their their losses have come they have a passing attack that is entirely reliant on ty hilton and if he is unable to play their top receiver is ryan grant who i believe came over from from washington for four years but he's predominantly more of like a, a slot-ish guy. And after that, uh, do you guys have any idea who's who's there? <laughs> they, they just have like <laughs> receiving backs and Eric Ebron. And so it's like they, they don't have too much depth behind T.Y. Hilton, who is undeniably a really good wide receiver. And so with T.Y. Hilton not there, as you said, Jack Doyle has been battling an injury. Can Andrew Luck carry this offense beyond – I don't think so, especially with him being so conservative with his mobility due to the injuries he's sustained. And if he's not able to extend drives with his legs, it'll make it all the easier for that Patriots defense to sit down against them uh, and make sure that they defend the, the pass because they don't have a rushing attack at all. Uh, they, they rank 29th in rushing yards which is very, very sad. 28th in yards per carry, so it's not like they're missing out. Uh, they, so they don't have a rushing attack to really speak of, and that'll make it easier for New England to really figure out how they want to defend this Colts, this Colts offense. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots were able to get an early lead on offense and then allow the defense to really just dictate the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, the leading rusher for the Colts against the Texans on Sunday was, I believe, uh, Jordan Wilkins, who ran for 16 yards on Ooh. eight carries. Eight carries for 16 yards, 41 total as a team. Second leading rusher was Andrew Luck. Um, so it really goes to show you that the Colts are not a running team. However, the Detroit Lions were not really a running team. We saw what happened with them. Granted, it was on the road, but still, this Patriots team is kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thus far against the run. 
However, if the Coles can run the ball in the Patriots' throat, a lot of reasons to worry. The one thing I am worried about, though, Rich, is mobile quarterbacks have given the Patriots fits in the past, be they unable to set the edge, be they not have a spy linebacker or robber linebacker that can keep up with him. I know Andrew Luck isn't what he used to be because of his injuries and the fact that his receivers are not as dangerous without T.Y. Hilton, but I just remember all these plays in the past with Ben Roethlisberger or even Blake Bortles or whoever you want to call it where the coverage is good, the play breaks down, running around, running around, running around, laser 36 yards for a score or a big gain. Are you concerned about that without T.Y. Hilton, or is it the kind of thing where Andrew Luck will be able to extend the play, run around, but no one's going to be open because no one kicks the ball anymore? Yeah, I don't know if anyone would really be able to break free because they don't have so many of those quick twitch gain separation types of players. And I know I already said that uh, I'm not expecting Andrew Luck to be overly mobile as he returns from his injury, but I think that could also serve as a jinx because... He very well could have this as his breakout game, which I feel like tends to happen for teams when they play the Patriots because they, they get a little bit of that desperation and they say, eh, well, why not? Let's, let's, let's open up all of our bag of tricks. And so they could potentially just try and extend the plays as much as possible, but they're using that West Coast offense, and I would expect to see a lot of crossing patterns, a lot of similar sort of plays Uh, that we've seen in recent weeks as teams try to get the low crossers against the Patriots and their linebackers. And so Ryan Grant should see a fair number of of targets. That makes sense. It does. And the last thing I'll ask before we close this out is my stance on Thursday night football is is storied and and well-documented. I think it's a total disaster. I think they're a sloppy game. I think they're a messy game. The guys aren't rested yet. The coaching staff hasn't had time to install a game plan. There were times in the past where the groundskeepers didn't have time to get the field to level playing conditions. It's just a horrible, horrible thing. I will say this past season has been pretty good so far in limited limited action. But this is one of those games where maybe if it was a Sunday game – It'd be a lot easier to call because they have the whole week to prepare and they can do their usual thing, their routines. I just feel like it's such a leveler Thursday Night Football because both teams are coming in hobble. Both teams are coming in sore. Are you, do you think in any way this could favor the Colts catching the Patriots kind of coming off a high where they come back down to earth? Or because the Colts are so banged up and they're so tired and they're so injured – it actually favors the Patriots in this respect because they don't have time to get themselves together. Yeah, I'm definitely leaning towards the latter, where the the Colts, as you mentioned earlier, they played an extra quarter of football, if not more, because the Patriots were able to rest their starters after three quarters. So the Patriots should be much more well-rested than the Colts. They are definitely, at this point in time, much healthier, regardless of the status of Rob Gronkowski, although that is an important one. And the, the Patriots are a better team in every facet. So... Everything points to the Patriots, and I I would expect that after they defeated the Dolphins, Bill Belichick, but especially the the captains on the team, know exactly what has to happen and know that they can't revel in that game. So I don't expect any sort of a decline as they come off of that short week. If anything, I would expect them to be playing at a high level and for the Colts to kind of be hobbling, and they could have a repeat performance of what happened against the Dolphins, even if the Patriots don't play as well. Speaking of hobbling, early prediction right now, Rich, is Rob Gronkowski play on Thursday with that ankle? I think so. I, I think he'll be a game-time decision, but if he if he had to play on Sunday, I would not have been surprised if he stayed in the game. Uh, that's based off of nothing, so it's not a report or anything. But, I mean, he has been dealing with it. I, I just expect that 
they're just nursing him, making sure that he can be as healthy as possible, get some extra time to rest after this Colts game. And so long as it's not like a serious injury, I think he'll be fine. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. And the one good thing about the Thursday night game is it's like a mini bye week afterwards. You can rest, get some time in to relax. And that's a good thing, too, because they have a very tough game coming up after that in the Kansas City Chiefs. But looking ahead is not what the Patriots do. One game at a time and the Colts on Thursday night. Oh, absolutely. And we'll have all of our, our breakdowns on patspulpit.com. Uh, and make sure you, you follow us on, on Twitter, follow our podcast, follow us on the website. Got a lot of good content heading your way. Alec, do you have any final thoughts before the, the page take on the Colts? Let's make sure we all stay healthy. Oh, absolutely, right? Fingers crossed. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Later, man. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.